of everything in our lives, oh God. Uh, we are thankful that we're allowed, oh God, the privilege and the honor uh, of entering into your house, oh God, entering into your presence, oh God, because uh, God, you're already here. You're already, your presence is already everywhere in this earth, oh God. You inhabit uh, all space and all time, God. You inhabit uh, every space around us, in us, and through us, oh God. Uh, you inhabit the space all around those uh, that are sitting, oh God, in their houses, uh, oh God, that are viewing this online. You inhabit that space where they are, God. Uh, there's nowhere on this earth that you do not inhabit, uh, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And so we need your move. Uh, we need your spirit to be manifested, uh, Lord God, in this place, physically in this building where we are. Uh, but God, we need your spirit to be manifested, oh God, in the homes, uh, oh God, in the cars or wherever it is that they're listening or viewing, oh God. Uh, we need your power to be manifested, your glory, your your spirit, oh God, uh, Lord, that every soul, every heart, every individual within the sound of my voice uh, that would hear this, oh God, that they would feel the power and the presence of Almighty God right now. Uh, Lord, we don't need to invite you, God. You're already here. You're already here in this place. Uh, you're already here among us, oh God. You're in us, uh, oh God, and we thank you, Father. Uh, we thank you, Father, for your greatness and power in us, oh God. Thank Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness, oh God. Thank you for loving us, oh God. You loved us first, oh God, before we ever loved you, God. You first loved us. Hallelujah, Lord. You gave yourself on that cross. You loved us then, and you love us now, oh God. And you'll love us, oh God. Help us to receive that love from you, oh God, and help us to turn that love around and give it away, oh God, to those around us, oh God. We thank you. I thank you, God. I thank you for every soul, every Every heart and every individual that is able to join us tonight. Hallelujah. You're great, oh God. You're great, oh God. You're great, oh God. You're great. Great are you, Lord. You are greatly to be praised. You're great and mighty, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. Can we just love him for a minute? Uh, those that are online, can you just take a, a moment and just love him and just throw your hands up in the air right now and begin to tell him how much you love him today. Begin to thank him, oh, God. Thank you, God, for every breath that you've given me today. Thank you, oh, God, for every breath. Thank you for every good thought. Thank you for guiding my steps, oh, God, and guiding my thoughts. Thank you for guiding my words and being there for me, God. Thank you for guiding me while I was driving on the road today. Lord, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you today. Lord, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you today. Thank you for giving us your breath today, your life, oh, God, your health, oh, God. Everything and anything that we have is from you today. We love you today. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. I just want you to know that I love you today. I love you today. I love you today and always, God. Hallelujah. Well, we're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord, something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again, oh yes we are, in one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. Oh, we're together again. Oh, yes, we are. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. 
Just praising the Lord. Let's love Him one more time. Jesus, we love You. Father, we praise You. We honor You, Father. We bless Your glorious and mighty name. We honor You today, Father. We're so excited, oh God, today. We couldn't wait to get here today. We couldn't wait, oh God, to come together as a people where two or three are gathered together in Your name, oh God. There You are in the midst of them, oh God. We thank you for being in the midst. Uh, we want your presence, oh God, to be felt uh, all through the Internet, oh God. You're not limited by space and time. Uh, you're not limited, oh God, by Internet connection. Uh, you're not limited, oh God, uh, by weather, by anything else. Uh, God, you're able, oh God. Uh, Help us to have our faith lifted up today in the name of Jesus. Help us to lift up our faith today to believe you for great things today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, those people that went to that upper room on the day of Pentecost, which included Mary, the mother of Jesus, and many others, they had no idea. They had no idea. Now, I don't know if they were singing that song we were just singing, but I'm sure they were doing something because they were, I know they were having a prayer meeting. Amen. And because they were told, what were they told? Go ye and tarry in Jerusalem until, until you be endued, until you be empowered with that power from on high. Not some kind of power that, that wasn't a magic trick. They were going to get some power from Almighty God. And so they didn't, nobody had ever received that power. So, Nobody knew what it felt like. Nobody knew what it was going to smell like, what it was going to feel like, or any of that. But I'm telling you what, when it did happen, they knew something was going on. Amen. And so what were they operating on up to that point? They were operating on simple faith, childlike faith. Jesus had told them to go and tarry. They did what, all they did was, if they, he could have told them to do anything and they would have done it, I believe. Go stand in the middle of a lake. Whatever they told him, he told them to do, they would have done it. Because the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was going to happen on that day, no matter what. Amen. But he chose to give them the command to go to an upper room and join together and bind their faith together and pray together. And when people bind their faith together and when people pray together sincerely, Stuff happens. Right? What is that, that little acronym PUSH? Pray until, what's the rest of it? Until something happens. That's what that scripture says. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Amen? He's going to open the door. Amen? Amen. God is good today. What a privilege it is to be here today. We're sorry that our pastor and his wife are not here, but they're with us online, and uh, there's others that are not here with us for whatever reason, and they are with us online, and there's others that are online, and we're thankful for those that are online because, you know, God is not limited by the Internet. It doesn't matter to God if you have slow Internet, fast Internet. It doesn't matter to God if you have no Internet. You're using your cell phone uh, signal to get this message. God doesn't care. All he cares about is your soul. All he cares about is reaching the lost. And God is going to use whatever tool he's got to use to get the word out. And so he's getting the word out. And God's spirit and God's power and God moving is not limited to what's in this building today. He'll move right there where you are. He's not limited by space and time. He fills all space and time. He's the only one that I know that knows the end of a thing before the beginning of a thing. And so God is here with us, and he's there with you wherever you are, just like he's here with us, because wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Amen? And if it's just me and God, that makes me and God a majority, doesn't it? Amen. So this month, uh, we're going to start out 
on this first Wednesday of the month of December, we're going to start out talking about this subject of a life of service. A life of service. And then really isn't that what this Christian walk is really all about, is a life of service. Many times in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and others, when they wrote these letters, what did they say? They started their letters out, Paul, a servant. Right? They always started out with letting you know right up front, I'm nobody special. I'm just a servant. Not with enticing words of men's wisdom. Not with, I'm not trying to impress you with how well I know my, my grammar. And how I, I know better than to use double negatives. And I'm not trying to impress you with how smart I am or how many degrees I have in my thermometer. I'm just trying to be a servant to Almighty God. And that word servant in the New Testament actually means slave. And so we have to think of it in those terms. But this wasn't the kind of slave like, you know, the one that gets beat all the time or something. This was a, I guess I'd like to call it maybe a love slave. They were, Paul was glad to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was thankful that he was counted to be the privilege to have been called by God to do whatever God wanted him to do, to be a servant to him. And so it's all about a life of service. If you look at Paul's life, this is not in the notes, but if you look at Paul's life, Peter's life, and all these men in the New Testament, all everything they did, if you kind of do an overview, kind of a 30,000-foot view, all everything they did was just about serving others. And that's what they preached. Serving others. That's what the new that's what the first church did. What did they, 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 they collected all the money up that they had and all the stuff that they had and they, they, they divvied it out as everybody had need. They took care of one another. They loved one another. They served one another. So we're going to get into this. The key scripture, the main scripture for this lesson this month is found in the book of Joshua chapter 24 verse 15. And there's some, uh, <clears throat> printed out lessons in the back if somebody needs one. I think everybody online, if you don't have one, request one on the Facebook page or something. You don't have one, but if you, if you do have one, some, some have already had them mailed out to them. So, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not sure if, if they were made available in digital online, but either way, if you don't have it, that's fine. We're still going to have a good lesson tonight in Jesus name. And so Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 reads like this. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, that word evil means if it seems wrong or unacceptable unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. That word choose there, choose you, uh, is talking about, it's not just a, uh, just a, a whim that you just, uh, let's see, I pick, you know, that. Just kind of close your eyes and pick one. That's not what that choose is about. That's more, it's more of a thoroughly examined situation. It's what he's saying is thoroughly examine the, the whole aspect of what I'm about to tell you. You do a thorough examination before you make your choice. Right? In this day and age, if you want to buy a car, you want to buy something expensive, you can go out on Google and you can find reviews all day long for products that you want to buy. And you can review and get the best one that you can get. And you can get all the good reviews on it and the bad reviews on it. And so that's, to me, that's what Joshua was saying. Examine the whole situation. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now. Because everybody was serving other gods besides the one true living God. They were all around them. Do, do we have that today in our life? People all around us not serving God. They're serving everything else, but they're not serving God. They're serving themselves. They're serving their political party. They're serving... Uh, their employer, they're serving each other, they're, they're just, they're not serving the Lord. 
And we wouldn't call it idol worship today, but many of them are serving idols. And so he was giving them a a chance to kind of look at the landscape and, and make a decision. But, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he was giving them an ultimatum. He was giving them a choice to make. Make a choice. Make a decision. Isn't that what this walk is about? It's a choice and a decision. There's a song that's, the words say something like this. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like him. Nobody's making me do this. This is how I choose to live. You decide for you and I'll decide for me. Right? I have to decide every day. It's not automatic. It's not a hard decision either. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It's not a hard decision to get up every day and decide to serve the Lord. Well, yeah, Brother Demuth, but what about when bad things are happening? What about when I'm sick or my mother's sick or something something bad's going on in my life? Got a whole host of witnesses of people that were going through bad things. Joseph, Noah, and the list could go on and on. So it's a choice that we make. It's a choice that he was giving them to make. I'm going to go back and read this starting in verse 13, and I'm going to read through verse 22 to kind of get some context of what was going on here. It says in verse 13 of Joshua 24, it says, And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, and of vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do you eat? Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him, him, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, And the people answered, well, they, they, they weren't hesitating about their answer. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage, which did, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore we also will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve the strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath, after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourself. Wow. That you have chosen you the that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him, and they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord. God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So there's the context of what was going on here. And so they had been through a lot. Joshua had been one of them as they were delivered out of Egypt. And so he had been there. He he understood. He he walked in their shoes, you might say. He knew how they felt. He had been one of them that walked out of Egypt that day and that crossed the Red Sea and saw the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke and, and all those things that they saw. So he it wasn't like he was a stranger to them or them to him. Right? And so he said there, Now put away, he said, the strange gods which were among you, which are among you, 
and incline your heart unto the Lord. So he knew that there were still some shenanigans and some stuff going on. But he was saying, now come on, guys, if we're going to serve the Lord, let's serve the Lord. It's all about service. And he he indicated in there that about it being a it's it's a willing service. It's a choice you make. Nobody's making you choose to serve the Lord. We're not a bunch of automatons. Right? What's an automaton? This little robots that go, yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah. That's why we're not we're forced to do this. Right? We're not all just getting in line and, and doing the same thing that the next guy's doing. It's a choice we're making. Right? Deuteronomy 13.4. We could go there. Deuteronomy 13.4. And you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and cleave unto him. That It says to, that you shall walk after, which means behind. Right? You shall walk after the Lord. You shall walk behind the Lord, which means what? He leads. He's always in the lead. He's always in control. He's always in charge, if you want to say it that way. That's something, it's an acknowledgement that you make. God, you're in charge of my life. I am not my own. We are not our own, are we? We're bought with a price. We, do we really believe that? If Paul really believed that. That's why he said that. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? They're gods. Right? And that, put that scripture back up there for me. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 13.4. He says, and keep his commandments. Keep, that means watch over them, guard them, know them. No, not just the Ten Commandments. Everything he tells you. Does God talk to us? He talks all the time. Are we always listening? No. Because there's other voices and there's other things going on in our life, and I get that. I, You know, when I go to work, I have to give my my boss a day's work for a day's wage, so I kind of have to focus on what I'm doing. Right? And I don't like it sometimes because I'd rather just sit there and think about the Lord and listen to what he has to say. But I have to kind of do that as I'm going about my days. If I'm in between tickets, I'm walking down the hallway, I spend that time saying, okay, God, I'm yours for the next ten minutes. Talk to me. Do you do that? That's just how I do it. But I want to know what he's saying. I want to know his voice. I want to know that it's God talking to me because he's saying stuff all the time. You know, and those prophets in the Old Testament, they were just walking along or sitting there minding their own business. And all of a sudden one day, I heard this one preacher preach this message, when someday becomes today. Anybody, you ever said that? Someday. Blah, blah, blah. Someday I'm going to get my driver's license. <laughs> Someday I'm going to graduate from college and get my degree. Someday I'm going to be a fireman. Someday, 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 right? We have all done that. As little kids, as adults, we've done that. Well, what happens when someday becomes, when it's no more someday, it's today. <laughs> it's not someday anymore, it's today. Right? Someday I'm going to graduate from high school. And then you're standing there in your gown, and you're in the crowd with all the other students, and you're sitting there going, wow, high school's over. What am I going to do now? Right? How many freaked out? I, I didn't freak out, but I was thinking, what am I going to do? All of a sudden, life is just coming at me full bolt. Right? So we got to keep watch over this thing that he's given us. We gotta obey his voice and we gotta hear his voice to obey it first. Right? And what is his voice? His utterances. See, we gotta to seek to know him. What does that scripture say in Matthew 6.33? 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom. What are you saying, God? Let, let me shut up so you can talk. I want to know what you're saying. Because if He can talk to any one of those prophets and just all of a sudden one day say, I, I need you to go do something. They're just minding their own business. All of a sudden the next day they're serving God and they, you know, the prophet had to go kill. What did he do? When Elijah came up, what did Elisha do? He said, hold on a minute. Let me kill these cows. <laughs> Don't go anywhere yet, Elijah. I'll, I'll be right there. Right? What are you going to do when God all of a sudden one day talks to you and says, I've chosen you like he did Paul. I need you to go do something. I need you to serve me right now. Stop whatever it is you're doing because you're mine right now. And what did what did Paul do? <laughs> he had him walk him to a house somewhere, and he sat there for three days. And if, if you read about Saul called Paul, they, they, his life totally drastically changed from the moment that happened on that Damascus road. From then on, everything was different. That's why he said, that, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You're a slave. You don't get to have a say. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 24, and I know this might, may not be following the, the outline that Brother Parker put out, but I'm trying. I just sat down the other night and just, this just started coming out, so I just put it on paper. So, we're gonna try our best to follow this. First Samuel 12, 24 says, only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth. With all your heart. What's, what's your heart? At this ticker right here. What's your heart? What's with all your heart? What's that mean? Everything. You know, the commandment, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's everything. For consider how great things he hath done for you. Not only consider the great things he's done for you that you know about, but how about the great things that he's done for you that you don't even know? The, the things he's kept you out of, the accidents he's kept you from, and the sicknesses that he's kept you from that you don't even know how close you were to dying. And he, he just, he had him, he had that truck turn another direction because it's not your time yet. We don't know. I don't know that, that God didn't heal me of cancer when I was, in that water in the East China Sea and got baptized in Jesus. I don't know. Do you? We don't. So we gotta, we gotta consider these things when we're making our choice. And that word fear is, is not like being fearful of God like he's a, he's this angry father that's gonna come beat us. It's a fear, it's a reverence. Gotta reverence the one that's leading our life. That we're allowing to lead our life. I, nobody made me get the Holy Ghost, Sister Linda. I wanted it. But God had to put that in me first. That hunger and that thirst and that desire for that. No man comes to him, what? Except God draws him. And so he drew me and I made, I had a choice to make and I made the choice. I said, I'm going to that altar. I'm going out to that East China Sea, and I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name. I don't understand it all, but I, I know I need to do it. Something in me is telling me i got to go do this. And that was that desire to want to be whatever it is I could be for him. The Complete Word Study Bible Dictionary says the most common translations are to be afraid, to fear, to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, as in the famous uh, use of the noun in Proverbs 1 and 7. The famous narrative of the near sacrifice of Isaac proved God that proved to God that Abraham feared him above all. People who feared God were considered faithful and trustworthy for such fear constrained them to believe and act morally. I don't, you know, I don't, People are going to fall into the hands of a of a just and righteous God, and they're going to they're going to suffer judgment because of their choices, aren't they? Because they had the chance to serve God, and he he 
He drew them just like he drew me and you, but they made a decision, not right now. Maybe later. I'm busy right now. I know God's calling me, but I'm, I'm having too much fun right now, so maybe later. You know, <laughs> when someday becomes today, what happens when you keep putting it off and keep putting it off and you miss that opportunity, it passes you by, right? How many of us can look back in our lives and say, man, I've had a lot of missed opportunities, chances to get in the door of a job or whatever, and you you lingered and you procrastinated and all those things and you took too long and somebody else got it and you're left in the lurch. You're just, now what do I do? And i got to start all over again. Right? Procrastination will kill you. <laughs> Who wants to live eternity in hell? I'm sorry, but there really is a hell. I know we don't talk about that a lot, but there really is a hell. And we need to shun that. We need to, you know, the Bible says in some places, the hell hath increased your boundaries daily. Hell's making room. I don't want to be a part of that. And I don't want anybody else to go. That was a thing that was created for the devil and his angels, the Bible says. But doesn't it? Hell was created for the devil and it was not created for people. So we don't want to go there. Literally, we don't want to go there. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 5 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, and all the days of thy life, that, the, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. In the, in the NET Bible notes, full notes, of chapter of 6, verse 5 there, it says, of the word to love, it says, in this setting it communicates not so much an emotional idea as one of a covenant commitment. What a great definition of being a servant. You have a covenant with Almighty God, and you're making a commitment that you're going to do be his servant, like Paul. Do whatever it is. He wants you to do. Go wherever it is He wants you to go. Say whatever it is He wants you to say, whether it makes sense or not, whether you want to or not. Right? How many people has God called and said, I want you to go to ABC town in XYZ state and do work for me? And how many people have turned away from that? But God, I don't want to go there. How about over here? Like, like God doesn't know what he's doing. Right? To love the Lord is to be absolutely loyal and obedient to him in every respect. In another place in the NET Bible notes, it says, In the Old Testament physiology, the heart, the word levav, was considered the seat or the mind of the mind or intellect so that one could think with one's heart. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right? In another place, it said, Contrary to Hellenistic ideas of the soul that is discreet and separate from the body and spirit, Old Testament anthropology equated the soul, the nephesh, with the person himself. It is therefore best in most cases to translate nephesh as being. 
or the like. Somebody in this room already said, with your whole heart means your whole being. Everything that's about you, your emotions, your plans, your calendar, your dreams, your visions, everything. Did I leave anything out? Everything. When you're a servant, when you're a slave, do you have any rights? You have one. You have the right to serve. That's it. You don't get to have a say. You know, there's a story in the Bible about uh, a guy that had servant, and the servant worked in the field all day, and he came in, and, and he, he went to serve the master. I'm kind of paraphrasing because <clears throat> this wasn't in my notes. And, and so he before he could even eat his own dinner, he had to go fix the dinner for the servant for his master and take care of his master first, and then he could go eat. And he was just doing what was the, the minimum requirement. He, he wasn't complaining about that. What, Whatever it is you want me to do, God, whatever. Could we say that to him and really mean it? <laughs> Knowing that it might mean something is going to come, like he told Abraham, just pack up your stuff and leave. Well, well. Well, God, where am I going? Well, don't worry about it. Just pack up your stuff, take your family, start walking in that direction. I'll tell you when to stop. Would we do that today? Just start driving. Get you a U-Haul, pack all your stuff. I'll tell you when you get down the road. Would we trust God enough to do that? Because there's been times in the past where there's, God's told people to do that. And when they got to a certain town, he said, stop right here. This is where I want you to go. They'd never heard of that town. They hadn't researched it on YouTube or or on Google or anything. And God was saying, I want you here. Well, if God wants you there, don't you think he's already equipped you to be there? And he's already sent things ahead of you to be there? Right? It's all about serving him, right? So the scripture is saying that all of your all of your absolute loyalty, obedience, and all of your mind and your intellect and all of your being has to be his. Does that leave anything out? Anything. It means I don't get to have a say? At all? Not even a little bit? Israel wasn't being forced to do this. He didn't force them out of Egypt. He led somebody there to lead them. They had to choose to follow. I don't read where anybody stayed behind, but I do read where some of them wanted to go back. Right? You know what they say, the proof is always in the pudding. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that came from. You've all heard that, right? Oh, the proof's in the pudding. As a kid, I probably I I never heard that, or I would have been digging in the pudding, going where, where is it? Where is it, Mom? You said it was in the pudding, but really, that's true. The proof's in the pudding. The proof is in not what we say. Oh, I serve the Lord. I love the Lord. I'll do whatever He says. And then when He comes and tells us to do something that we don't necessarily like, do we just kind of slough that off? Because he's not going to make us do it, is he? He's not. He is not. You know, I, I ask myself sometimes questions like this. What would God have done if Abraham had said, no, I'm not going? Because Abraham had a choice, didn't he? We know he was hearing from God. He believed he was. And I know that's just a silly what if, but what if he'd have said, no, I don't want to go? God would have sent somebody. Somebody else would have been the father of many nations, right? I think God knew that he was going to go anyway. Because he created him, and he put that in him, and then he went and said, okay, now, 
do this. And he knew that he was going to listen. Isn't God so good? He's so good. He gives us the benefit of the doubt, doesn't he? Amen. The verbal commitment is easy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime you want to stay at my house, I got room. Come on over. Anytime. I, I, I don't, I don't mind at all. And then somebody takes us up on that. <laughs> and it turns into more than a couple of days. And now we're regretting saying, Oh, come right on. No problem. Right. <laughs> we're, we're not really committed. We just said that. <laughs> we didn't actually think they were going to take us up on it for a month. Right. And so we make a lot of verbal commitments, but God knows. He knows the heart of a man. You think you know your heart? I got a scripture for you that says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know their own heart? Right? The answer is God knows your heart. You can't hide anything from him. You cannot. You, if you try to run and hide, he's there. The minute I turn around, he's right there. So you can't hide from God. You can't run from God. And, you know, Satan was around back in the days when we were just reading about Joshua. And he knew that if he just backed away and just let Israel serve the Lord in, in sincerity and in truth and all those things that Joshua said and all those things that we read, he knew that it was going to be his undoing. So do you think he sat back and let that happen? No way. They're not serving him. I'm going to inundate them with every god from every corner of the earth and so the ones they've heard of and ones they've never heard of. And was Israel tempted? Plenty of them were tempted. There was one guy that hid some stuff under his tent. Some idols. Right? And so he is not any different today than he was then. He's still a liar. And he doesn't want us to serve either. And so he's going to do everything he can that he is, he is capable, and, and the Lord's going to let him. Right? The trying of your faith worketh patience. Who tries your faith? God doesn't do that. He does allow trials and temptations and difficulties and struggles and pain and problems and pressure to come into our life to cause us to, to maybe be be able to be tempted to just throw the towel in and give up and not do what God's calling us to do. He's no different today than he was then, and he was doing it then, and he'll do it now. Exodus 25, 1 through 2. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart you shall take my offering. You know, we use that saying, God loves a cheerful giver. That's true. It's with He doesn't want you to do it grudgingly. If you're going to do something like that grudgingly, just don't even bother. Because he doesn't, he won't accept it. He won't, he'll, you can give the money if you want, but he, in his, between you and him, he doesn't accept that. That's how, that's, that's my take on it, okay? But I'm, I'm pretty sure there's scripture for that. And it's what he just said. Give it, give your offering with a willing heart. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You gotta have a right heart, a right spirit, a right attitude, right? Right motive. Whether it's little or whether it's much. That woman that gave two mites, she gave it from her heart. How do I know that? It was everything she had. She, talk about devotion, talk about commitment. She was trusting God 
This is the only two mites I got left, and I might not get to eat today, God, but I feel you telling me to do this, so I'm just going to do it. And she walked up there and dropped it in and walked away, and you never hear about her again, I don't think. But I'll guarantee you God took care of her. Jesus used that. He's talking about the other guys. that Not that they didn't give. They gave of their abundance. But it wasn't from the heart. They were just appeasing their own conscience. Hey, see, I gave a lot. What if he asked you to give it all? We had some friends back in the military that God told the husband to give their entire paycheck to missions. And they had three kids. Now, they lived on base and they lived in housing, so they weren't like homeless or anything, but they had no grocery money if he did that. No gas money. And he felt led to do it, and he did it. (laughs) You know, God never... He never asks you to do something when he's not going to just abundantly bless you. Right? This this man that pastors this church right here, I was in a men's conference in Kentucky. And um, one of those state parks down there, I can't remember, Barron River or something like that. <clears throat> and he had made a commitment to somebody for some amount of money for something. He hadn't. He didn't even have the money in the bank. But he felt like God told him to do it. So he said it. He made, he said it. He did it. I'm gonna, I'm committing this. And then it's like a faith promise. God's gonna have to provide it. Well, we're standing there in that little sanctuary. It's about this size right here, full of men, about 300 men. And, uh, the district superintendent got this, the other guy, one of the other guys to take his suit jacket off. Four guys held their suit jacket open and he had everybody come up there and give an offering. And Brother Parker was there to speak. I think he was there. And so when it was all said and done, he may have told this story already. All that cash and that was exactly what he needed for that other thing he had just committed to. And he had no idea that man was going to do that. None of us did either. But isn't God good like that? He took, he told that prophet to go take, take the last meal from that widow. And, you know, I heard one guy say that wouldn't have videoed very well on YouTube today. They'd have been talking about him like a dog. I can't believe that, that crazy prophet. Do you believe that? He took that woman's last meal and her kid too. Right? That's what would have happened today. They would have excoriated him beyond belief. But he did what God told him to do and she obeyed that. When he said, no, but make me a cake first. And what was the end of that story? He took care of her for life. And her son. And all that prophet was doing was just being a servant. Oh, you want me to go to that? Oh, yeah, okay. Do that. Say that. Okay. It doesn't make sense. I don't care. Just do it. Right? Praise God. That word willingly there in the Hebrew is the word nadab, nadab, something like that. A verb meaning to incite willingly. This word described the free voluntary desire of the heart of the inner man to give of oneself of one's resources to the service of the Lord. What resources do we have today that we can give to the Lord besides our money? Our time, right? Our schedule, or what? Our habits, our talents, where we get our talents from him, right? If you have a talent, he gave it to you. Because without him, you can do nothing, right? So when, when God wants all of our resources... Every resource that we have, whether tangible or intangible, really belongs to the Lord, and we're just stewards of them. There was an old old guy that did this song one time. You probably know who it is if I say the words of the song, but the song kind of went, All of me, why not take all of me? Right? This is a worldly song. 
You took the part that once was my heart, so why not just take all of me? Does that need to be our kind of our mantra to God? Take all of me, God. Take it. Really? All of it. And really, when we stood at an altar of repentance and received the Holy Ghost, many people have said that. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just fill me with the Holy Ghost. And how many people follow up on that? Right? He just wants us to serve him. He wants us to do it willingly. Romans 2 and 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? He's so good to us. He leads us to repentance out of his goodness and his forbearance. What is forbearance? If somebody forbears on your behalf, they're, they're giving you a chance. The forbearance is like, I'm giving you a chance to, to, to catch up on your house payment or whatever, right? They're, they're giving you a chance. They're giving you every chance. God, didn't God give us every chance? All he, wants, all he wanted was just us to serve him and love him. Because he loved us. He, what did he say he first loved us? We love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. And so we're just returning his love, aren't we? I'm loving you back, right? And he didn't hold his love in, did he? Right? He poured it out. But when we get his love in us, do we hold it in? As a servant, we're not supposed to. Give it away. Let the love of Jesus Christ be shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. Right? In your inner being. Don't hold God in there and keep him, you know, keep him captive in there. I got my God, you go get your own. We don't we don't need to have that kind of attitude. So if we give or show love to a lost world, whose love is it really? We're just I'm I'm sorry, I'm just a servant of God. That's what Paul said. I'm just doing what he's telling me to do. I'm going where he's telling me to go. I'm saying what he's telling me to say. I'm loving who he's telling me to love. Cuz trust me when I tell you it's not it's not in us to love people in our in our human nature right we want to judge and we want to kind of categorize people in our mind they belong in this group and they belong in this group and jesus didn't care about where what group they belonged in he just went about doing good to all people he went about loving everybody didn't he when there, it was the most unlovable people that was the ones that seemed like he went to the most it seems like to me just and just almost like he did it on purpose to just aggravate those scribes and Pharisees, right? Because <laughs> they're unclean. You don't go around them. Those sinners. He's he's. What did they always accuse him of? He's hanging out with sinners and publicans. Aren't we supposed to be doing that? Who did Jesus go see in Samaria? <laughs> The one woman that probably was the worst case scenario to go after, right? Well, that was his, that was perfect for him. And what did he do? He sent his disciples away. Because he knew that they were going to just mess the whole deal up. They'd be very, because they were already proving themselves to be judgmental like that. So he sent them to the grocery store to Walmart to get some groceries and he, went to the well and he ministered to that woman and great revival came from that whole town because of that one woman who'd been married four or five times and the one she was with wasn't her husband then. Not today. Uh-uh. She'll never be in ministry. No, God will never use her for ministry. God will never use her for a revival in a city. Right? Right? First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty. What know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you are which you have of God and you are not your own? What? What do you mean I'm not my own? I'm my own boss. I make my own decisions. What do you mean I'm not my own? I didn't write it. Read it. It's in the book. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Serve and serve him. 
in spirit and in truth, right? Acts 9, verse 10 through 16, Ananias did as he was directed by the Holy Ghost. Ananias had to have had the Holy Ghost, right? Now that was total devotion to the, to the power and the presence of Almighty God in his life. Because we know that, what did he try to tell God? God, don't you know who that guy is? <laughs> he was sent out to kill us. If you send me in there, he's going to kill me. <laughs> what, did, what did God say? Don't worry about that. I've chosen him. to. Be, I'm going to use him. You just go and do what I said to do and say what I said to say. And what was the first thing out of his mouth when he walked in that room? Brother Saul. He called him brother by faith. I'm sure he was probably told to say that. Because he was in a, he was in a, a conundrum there, Paul was. He's like, man, I've been a Pharisee all my life and this happened. And I know I heard that voice and it, and it said, thou art Jesus, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And, and that's the one I was persecuting. But now he's saying he's God and, so now what do I do? And he's sitting there going through all this stuff in his mind. Do you think God was talking to Paul? He had a captive audience, I guarantee it. And he said, what did he tell Ananias? I'm going to tell him of what great things he must suffer for my namesake. That's a servant right there. I don't know if there's anybody like that today that really serves the Lord like that. I'd like to think there is. I know I don't. I'd like to. Wouldn't you? I want to know that, that what I'm doing is for the kingdom. I don't want there to be any of me involved in any of it. Because if I just let me get involved, I'll just get in the way. Right? Because I was making a mess of it before God came along and saved me. Right? But we have a God that we... Still today, even from that day when Joshua spoke to this day, he's still asking us the same question. Choose you this day. Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Whether the gods of this world, the gods of the Amorites, the gods that were before the, you know, Abraham's father was an idol maker. Right? So, he wasn't in church. He wasn't raised in church. Right? And so we got to decide. Because I'm telling you right now, this world's getting more wicked by the day. And depending on how things turn out, it could even get more wicked. When, when In reference to who's going to be the president. So, we better make up our mind. Like Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I think in, in that, when he said that, he was really saying, I'm gonna, we're gonna serve the Lord no matter what. I'm gonna serve him. I'm his servant. Because Joshua knew he had been a servant. Israel had been in servants for how long? 400 years. So they were passing that on as a heritage. Serving Pharaoh, serving the guards, serving whatever, making bricks, whatever they were doing, they were serving all the time. They were slaves. So they understood that concept. And here's the God that delivered them, and he's asking them to be slaves again. Right? But it's not the same kind of slave. It's, it's a love slave. I want to do this. I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like this. Nobody's making me do this. And they're going to think we're weird, and they're going to think things, and they're going to... People are not going to understand, but do you remember when you didn't understand either? Some of you? When you just thought, oh, hey, I go to church every Sunday twice a year on Easter and Christmas. That's good enough, isn't it? God understands my schedule and everything. Some of us were there. We thought that was good enough. But we found out it wasn't good enough. And God, out of his love, drew us, and we heard him 
that still small voice, and we answered that still small voice, and here we are. And God hasn't stopped doing that. He hasn't stopped drawing people and calling people. He's doing it right now. While I'm speaking, while many others are speaking on this night, people all over the Internet that aren't having church, they're having service online. They're, they're teaching lessons online, and they're having thousands of people from other countries listening to them. God is reaching for this world. He just he wants people that are just willing to just sell out, give it all. It's all his anyway. You can take it with you when you go, right? Amen. God bless Jesus name. Father, we love you.